Good afternoon, Rochester. We want to welcome you to another episode of Let's Get Lit. This week, we have some wonderful ladies in the building, and we are going to be talking about Let's Get Lit, the power of the black voice within literacy. So I'm Cleonda Florence, educator, uh, advocate, excited to be here with you. I'm your co-host, Naima Terry, Hood certified, New York State certified educator in the city of Rochester, New York. And we are about to introduce to you all some dynamic women who are out here about to bless the city of Rochester with another one and another one of the Black Author Expo. So I'm going to let these ladies introduce themselves. Hello, everyone. My name is Katyra Poland. I am the grant writer for Rochester Black Authors Association, and I'm also the CEO and founder of Love for Words, which is an editing and copywriting company. Hello, I am JC Grimes. I am the president of the Rochester Black Authors Association and co-founder of the Rochester Black Authors Expo. And I am also the co the founder, I'm sorry. Uh, give me my credit. Um, I am the founder of Urban Lily Publishing. That part. Hey, you guys, this is your girl, Ebony Nicole Smith, and I am the vice president of the Rochester Black Authors Association, as well as the co-founder of the Expo, and I'm also the CEO and founder of Ebony Nicole Smith Consultant LLC, which is a boutique writing and publishing company. Okay, boutique. Fancy with it. <laughs> so, you know, a little fancy with it. While we begin um, our Let's Get Lit episodes this way, when... Did you all fall in love with literacy? I'm going to let Ebony take that. I fell in love. I, I believe it was 11th grade mm. when I read The Coldest Winter Ever. Listen. Let me tell you, that book had me all the way snatched. I was in college. Like I this. was like, what is happening? I'm like, everything. I... I, I would say literally, but I know it's not literally, but the words literally Jumping bounced out. off of the page and mind. was playing in my head. And I was like, I see everything. Okay, her daddy? Everything. He was Ooh. fine. Her daddy. <laughs> yeah. And, mid and, and midnight. Right. And we don't even know what they I look think like. That's why I like, I love me. Give me my, my dark skin brains. Yes. <laughs> but I think that's where I fell in love. Because I saw the the picture, the imagery, yes. the the words, and I yes. felt and smelled everything that she wrote. Ooh. Like she did that. Like it was like a movie in your mind. In in my mind, I'm just I like remember this. two days because I had to go to sleep. But I'm like, can't wait yeah. to get out of class because I'm going home. I'm getting the book. That book it was, was a beautiful story, and that's why I fell in love. Yes, yep. it's so funny because as long as I've known you, I've never known that story, yep. and it's crazy because like you, I was in college. And I, I didn't go to sleep or class uh, <laughs> that night because I wanted to read. However, that was not the beginning of my story, but that was so that was such a pivotal, pivotal, pivotal moment um, for me in terms of writing style. Mm -hmm. Because I yes. wanted to make sure you didn't have any questions when you read yeah. what I was writing. And I remember having a professor in college tell me, you know what? You don't have to give so many details. And I'm like, no, but I do because I need you to know what I'm talking about. Um, but for me. 
I actually fell in love with writing when I was eight and I was in third grade because I talk a whole lot. Always have. Lord willing, always will. Yes. It got me to where I am and I don't apologize for it. Right. That's so right. I had teachers tell me and I, and I went to um, I was in the urban suburban program back in the day. I went to school in Penfield mm. and they were just kind of like, you know what? You can just write it down because, you you know, every time I had something to say, like, oh, 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 me, oh, yep. And they're like, you know what? Just just write down your thoughts. And I'm like, parking lot. They start doing like this. Put it on the parking lot. Right. I said, OK, I'm going to write everything down. And I did. And I started to realize, you know what? I can make whatever happen that I want to happen when I write it down. And I just absolutely love the idea of no holds barred when you start writing. So that's me. Yeah. All right. And I fell in love with literacy in middle school. So I used to write poetry and I actually entered into a contest and I was selected as an honorable mention. So once I realized that other people saw that gift in me, that really pushed me to keep going. And I've just always loved to read and write. And I just kept going with it. My mom used to take me to the library. So it was really people around me who affirmed and confirmed that I had this gift and that it was something that I should pursue. So that's when I fell in love with literacy. Yeah, yeah, you gotta gotta hit on with a little bit. I talk, it's Naima, I talk about my father a lot um, in this podcast. But his um, love of music, so hip-hop, was my introduction to literacy. Mm. As well as seeing the 45s and the LPs and the records mm-hmm. and reading the okay. albums, reading the, the sleeves of the albums. And just it was music that led me into literacy. As well as, you know, just seeing books around my house. My grandfather was an autodidact, so just he was a self-taught um, scholar himself. Mm-hmm. So just my home life mm-hmm. was what, how I fell in love with literacy. About you, Cleander. <laughs> well, I fell in love with literacy from a multifaceted approach. Um, literacy to me was so much more than a book in hand. It was um, the words when I was at marches. It was the art that was on walls. It was the conversations that were um, talked about at meetings. It was one's ability to be able to de-escalate things. And it helped me to understand when one is void of words, like a child that bites in a daycare, you will become an adult who pulls a gun or a knife Mm -hmm. or a car when you're void of words. And it helped me to understand that literacy is so much more powerful than what we want to believe. And that is why I came up with Let's Get Lit, because until we're liberated to understand the freedom of our words, the freedom of the halls in your mind. And like my grandfather told me once, you have it in your mind. No one can take it away. Right. The problem is when you are void of your history to understand why you came from such greatness, but they prohibited you to want to know your greatness, you act unbecoming because you don't know who and whose you are. Yep. So it helped me to understand what it means to be free with your words, what it means to be free with expression, and how art, before there were words, you could learn about a people mm-hmm. through their art. That mm-hmm. is literacy. Yeah. And that is where I began to see that expression of lit is so vast yeah. that so many people don't even understand. Right. You sitting up here, your whole style is literacy. Mm-hmm. The way you rock your hair and your earrings is literacy. The way you just fly for no reason mm-hmm. is literacy. And that's what they're afraid of. So that's how I um, fell in love with literacy is through physical, emotional, written expression. So 
I want you to break us off with this beautiful opportunity on June the 3rd. Can you all give us some backdrops, some why, and what people are going to look forward to if they miss June the 3rd? Well, you don't want to miss it, so please don't. (laughs) So June 3rd is our annual Rochester Black Authors Expo. Um, And I can't talk about the expo without talking about how the expo came to be. So our founder, everybody, well, I won't say everybody, but many people know about the Rock Awards. That's been happening in Rochester for for almost about the past 10 years. Um, Shout out to Yolanda Smiles, who had the brain to put together the Rock Awards, which is really, truly a celebration of us. Us. Um, Because it's so many talented people here it is ridiculous um and at the rock awards in 2015 we there was a category for best author so ebony was nominated myself was nominated and Corey lamar tanksley was nominated to be best author okay. well Corey beat us yeah. mm. <laughs> he won um <laughs> it's always cool it's cool we we not bitter though we not bitter so Corey won and then um Afterwards, Corey came to us, and, and I know for myself, I was so like, wow, I thought I was the only person in the town that wrote a book. No, for real. The right, only for one. Real. Like, I know I'm about to bag this because yeah. it's just me, yeah. right? right. So um, after after Corey won, probably within a month or so after the Rock Awards, he reached out to us, and he said, you know what? Collaboration over competition. Yes. Why don't we come together? Because it was like five of us in the category. Yeah. We found out that there was probably like eight others that wrote books that didn't even make it to the nomination process so he said why don't we get together and do a celebration think about the harlem you know the harlem book fair and and let's do something like that so in our first year um we got together and i think we had 12 or 12 authors locally that that was part of the inaugural black authors expo Mm -hmm. so every year since then we're like you know what we're gonna do it bigger we're gonna do it better and we have gone from out of the country having authors come from out of the country to be a part of to having authors come from uh dang near mexico okay san diego which is like 10 minutes from tijuana you know what i mean people flying across the country to be a part of this which is like the most amazing thing we could ever ask for so june 3rd is just a continuation of that um and we've actually morphed and kind of changed how we're doing things a little bit unfortunately we lost Corey in 2021 due to COVID 19 um so he is not here anymore in the physical to see this dream and, and to see it continue um so we have an award that we give out in his honor titled after his uh, first book, his award-winning book, which yeah. is called B-Boy to Man. Yeah. Um, so we give out the B-Boy to Man Award to, you know, just someone in the community that exhibits greatness, embodies the spirit of Corey, and is passionate about others, passionate about literacy, and passionate about Rochester. So um, anybody coming out on June 3rd, I mean, they're in for a treat. You're going to be able to see that. We are going to have the amazing, I don't mean the name drop, but Cleonda Florence is our <laughs> keynote <Yeah>. speaker. <laughs> <laughs> you right? Can we get the buzzer? She in the building, y'all. <laughs> she will be in the building. Um, yes, we have a keynote this year from Miss Cleonda Florence. Um, we also will be giving away the B Boy to Man Award. We have a bunch of authors, sometimes first time authors. Um, I think the dopest thing is that we have seen year after year people come to the expo and then say, "I'm gonna be next year. I'm coming back with my book. I'm gonna get my that table." Hurt. One of those people is her. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. 
I got a whole vision. Listen, people come with a notebook, yeah. right? Yeah. And then yeah. the next year they got a table and they right. selling Thank out. Right. So it is just, it's inspiring to see. I mean, anybody, if you like books, think you like books, you want to buy a book for somebody, you want to just be around a bunch of uh, boutique owners, right? Yes. Okay, okay, because... I mean, we're all, everybody pretty much owns their own company. Yeah. We are all self-published, which means Beautiful. we all own our own publishing company. Yeah. And that's amazing. So it's just opportunity all around. Even if you're not buying books, like, you could just pick brains. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Talk to each other. So, Katyra. Yes. I would say. Like, pass the mic. Yes. Right. <laughs> just to follow up on that. Actually, when I found out about the expo, I lived in Savannah, Georgia. So I saw it on, I think it was on Facebook, and I sponsored the first two years because I was living there. And then I ended up coming and moving back and got involved. They invited me to join the board in 2018. But what I want to say is my favorite part of the expo and of the association is the youth contest, the youth yes. writing contest, because it's so important that we continue this legacy. Right. This is not the end. This is just the beginning. Right. So we want our youth to know your words have power. Your words matter. You should be writing. You should be reading. And we offer cash prizes to the winners. And all the, all, <laughs> yeah, we got a dollar for you. We got a dollar for you. <laughs> so, um, and then, and then they also, everyone who enters gets recognized as well. So they get a certificate and just realize that what you're doing is important we see you we want to congratulate you and push you to continue the legacy because you know if you just think about the history of black literacy in this country that we were killed for that at one point you know and there's still book bans that primarily mm. impact us yeah. Yeah. they're banning books about our people mm. um, by our people yeah. so we want to combat that obviously and make sure that we are continuing this legacy so that's my favorite part of the expo for our listening audience can you give us more, inf more information about where this will be held and located and times etc yes it will be held at the creative resource center or the lab at 125 state street so you can park behind the building there's free parking in that lot and it's in the well it's on the weekend so it's free parking on the street 11 a.m to 4 30 p.m so you can stop by and come see us come buy some books mingle see the students get recognized and meet the board and yeah there's food on site yes food 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 <laughs> so you can come get you a book grab something to eat, meet some people, and, and have a good afternoon. So One of the things that I, I really liked was the identity of collaboration versus competition. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very powerful when we understand that literacy is our greatest social justice issue of mm -hmm. our time. Mm -hmm. And we want to know, um, Naima and I, what are your thoughts about that? The fact that this is our greatest social justice issue, yet Rochester is leading illiteracy, mm -hmm. not just in the seats, but in the streets, mm -hmm. through policies of housing, through policies of you not having the opportunity to be that the Crescent is still eighteen to $22,000 a year for a salary, but yet we are the 10th richest city where 100% of our children live in concentrated poverty next to Detroit, mm -hmm. Cleveland, Ohio, mm -hmm. Hartford, Connecticut. Mm -hmm. What are you all's thoughts about that? So I would say this, it's all in your voice and those who have one must use it. So if the community at large sees the problem, 
how many times do we got to come to the table before we get up from the table and go make and do uh, have some type of action behind our spoken words? Mm-hmm. So for me, it is. We talked about it. I'm a problem solver. When yes. we come, when I come to the table, this is the problem. When, if, when we leave the table, there needs to be a solution. And when we come back to the table, we should not have to revisit the same problem the first time. Mm-hmm. So I think that as long as we are solution-based in our actions and our thoughts, solution-based, and when we bring our uh, present anything to those who can seriously make a change, we got to make sure we are focus on that solution and not repeating that problem. Mm-hmm. And then also getting the kids to enjoy the actual act of reading and yes. writing. Because if some people will force their kids, if they do something wrong, they'll use, use reading as a so punishment. And Put reading should not be... <laughs> right. Reading should not be a punishment. Right. Reading should be something that's enjoyable. Reading can take you to places you've never yeah, been absolutely. and maybe places you will never yeah, see. Mm-hmm. But if you use it as a tool to uh, discipline someone, they won't read it because it's, it's a discipline and not something that's enjoyable. Mm-hmm. You know, associated with something displeasurable. And then I just wanted to say to piggyback, it's also important to make sure that students, adults as well, but really young people are being connected to books that they like. Ooh, uh, you know, characters that look like them, that represent them, that they are reading about topics that ha- are interesting to them. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's even for adults. If we're given something we're not interested in, of course we're not going to read it. So we really need to start making sure that we have the books that our kids are going to pick up in the classrooms so that they do want to read. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not a punishment. It's not a chore. And they're not, you know, complaining about being bored mm-hmm. um, because they have books that are for them, you know, by people who look like them, understand them, love them, value them, all of those important things. And the other thing, too, is we can encourage them to write those stories as well. Because we all know you don't have to be an adult to write a book. So there's lots of young authors who just need that extra push to write their own books. Maybe they are not satisfied with what they're reading right now, but they have the power to to bring those books to life. Mm -hmm. So it's all about getting them connected to to the books that they like, that they love, and that are going to hold their interest so that they do have a love for reading and writing as well. And not banning them. So... I think one of the craziest things I ever remember hearing growing up, which we probably all have heard, that if you want to hide something from a black person, put it in in a book. book. I think that's sick and I think that's sad, but I really think there's a state. I won't say the state, but, you know, it starts with an F. Um, I have really strong feelings toward that entire state and their policies. Uh, You know, I didn't say it, but... um, um, I wasn't going to say it, but it does start with an FL. Um, The fact that the NAACP is issuing a warning, a travel travel advisory for black people to go there because that state is hostile when it comes on the heels of um, them banning AP classes Mm -hmm. for African-American history. Mm -hmm. It comes on the heels of them banning books that's by black authors. It's because there's something in there that we have to say. Mm -hmm. And it's something that they don't want people to know. And somebody in office down there still feels like if you hide something in the, if you want to hide something from a black person, put it in a book. Some people down there really believe that, which is why they're trying to ban our access to books and our access to literacy. Um, I think it's a problem that we don't have to stand for. I think it's a problem that we all have the power to do something about. I know people get upset with me when I I correct people when they're speaking. I am no linguist. I mean, we all have words that we can't pronounce or things that we may not use in the proper context. However, comma, um, I'm going to help you when I can. Okay. Because I think if we, if you know better, you do better. You know what I mean? So 
it, it's a illiteracy is a problem that we don't have to deal with. I think if we all can realize collectively, maybe as a community, you know, you start small as a community, as your as your neighborhood, as your friend group. If we all can realize that um, there's power in words, there's power in in knowing. Um, I think it's a problem we just don't have to deal with. I mean, our personal mission for uh, Rochester Black Authors Association is to eliminate illiteracy in the city of Rochester. That literally drives what we do. Um, and it doesn't matter the age at all. You That's know, right. You know what's funny, and it's not really funny, but the gag is, is that when you put a book about our people, black people, in the hands of a white child, mm-hmm. what happens to their mind? Yeah. yeah, right. And what you begin to defrag within that, you know, young, soon-to-be dominant cultural society person, right? Mm-hmm. Right. That's where the danger comes in. That's what yep. they really don't And that's when you ignite a fire within the white kids to be like, yo, this is wrong. We have to end this. We have to stop this. Yes. And I see it in my classroom every single day. When yeah. I put a Frederick Douglass before a white child, they're like, this is, you know, what, what? You know, they want to they do something in that <laughs> moment. It's like, yeah. yo, Chill, Bill, right? They go home and they confront their parents. That's what they don't. That's what they don't want. Yeah. Yeah. Right. To right. Be well, one of the things I want to get everybody's feedback, including you, Naima, is um, Dr. Paul Miller wrote a book that was really dope, and it aligns with what we just said. And it says we need to do better. And in chapter three, titled "Where Am I Now and Why Should I Care?" because together. We can keep kids from failing. He states, Rochester, New York, is currently the fifth poorest city, has the highest murder rate per capita in the state, very often has murder rates that are in the top 10 overall in the country, and has the lowest graduation rates for black males at 9% in 2012. When I think about what you stated about collaboration versus competition and the state of our black men and young men and the fact that we are as a community as my grandfather said as he began to close his eyes that it is a shame that 50 years later we have more black representation in leadership and we are worse off now than we were when he came here in 1965. More representation, more competition, and we're losing our black men and boys at a record number. And we have normalized this new identity within our culture, and we will use literacy to put a picture on a tree and put bottles in our shea and pouring out to uh, an ancestor and get a GoFundMe popping, more literacy, asking my baby. But when the reality of being action, solution-oriented, something seems to happen within the common unity of the community that we now live in. What are you all's thoughts about if we get it right for black men and young men, we could get it right for everybody else. And when everybody sees my Let's Get logo, people are going to be big mad because it's a black man coming out of a book. Because if we get it right for them, everybody else will be able to get it right. The runoff is going to be so right. amazing. What are you all's thoughts about that? Because I think Dr. Miller hit it on the head, and especially what we've been, you know, talking about now. Well, I would say um, black men are 
the leader, all our leaders. And we need those, the leaders in them to rise up and take their rightful place. And when they do, in my opinion, when they do, everything else will then be in order. Because we don't have them in their leadership position, our boys don't know how to be men, and our girls don't know what a man is supposed to look like. So, in my opinion, once we get those leaders out of our men, then everything in our community, I believe, will fall suit. Also, when it comes to competition, just because someone is in leadership, they want their name on everything. Mm -hmm. That's why... Uh, take this as a throwing shot if you want to, but Juneteenth is coming up. It's going to be like 35,000 different Juneteenth festivals. We yeah. can't go to all of them. Mm -hmm. Why not bring y'all collective resources together. together and do one big one mm -hmm. and just leave it there. Just have a big field. Everybody come out and enjoy Juneteenth in one area and just enjoy. But everybody want their name and their logo on it. Everybody mm -hmm. want to be recognized. If mm -hmm. you get outside of wanting to be recognized, mm -hmm. then bright me 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 instead of us and mm. we then you'll see a, a big difference mm -hmm. i just want to say that we have so many examples of this being done on the grassroots level think about the black panthers for instance and how we had students in school right it was a hostile environment for them to be in but they had schools outside of school weekend mm -hmm. schools saturday schools where we taught our babies what they need to know but it's up to the adults and the people who have the energy, right, and the imagination to create those spaces for young people in spaces that are our own through self-determination. Mm -hmm. Until we have that, we're going to still see the same issues. I think we um, we definitely have to get out of our leaders. You know, you asked why is there, we have more representation and leadership, but we have more representation and more problems yeah. equally. Um, <clears throat> the me, me, me concept, I think, is a problem. It is a disease. It is the attention-seeking behavior mm. that we see now. Um, and I don't mean to get clinical on you, you know. Now it's called that King's disease. <laughs> right, you know. But that, that attention-seeking behavior, I mean, the addiction that, that we have as a collective nation is insane. Some people only want the title because the title comes with clout. They could care less about doing something for you. You do anything, do anything for clout, for though, clout. okay? Come on, DJ, play that, no? People might check one one two. Right, right? Um, and I speak, you know, as a mother of black sons, you know what I mean? As a mother of black sons, I'm like, listen here, my son, no, he, I mean, he's an adult now. But he could tell you how crazy I was about, he was like, Ma, you really sent me to school every year on the first day with a stack of your business cards? Boy, you doggone right. Because I need them to have all my phone numbers and email address and everything so they can get in touch with me because at the first sign of an issue, I need to be there because I need you to grow up and be a black man. I need you to grow up and be a leader. I need you to grow up with full understanding of your identity, knowing who you are, whose you are, and, and where you're going as well as where you came from. Um, so I think, you know, again, just having people in leadership that really aren't in leadership for the purpose of leadership, but for the purpose of clout, I think it's just, it's a disease that we really gotta, we really gotta get out of. And I don't know how, I mean, we've done so much with social media, it's such a gift and it's a curse at the same time. Um, because it really just, it, it is literally an addiction, yeah. right? People have goals to really just, not work and get paid full time by Influencer. being on social media. Yeah. You're not influencing anything. But you're negativity. Influencing. You're influencing bad behaviors. You're influencing uh, generational curses that mm -hmm. should be broken. Mm -hmm. That's right. So what are you truly influencing? Are you influencing people to go back to school? Are you influencing them to uh, finish if they do go back? Right. You know, are you 
trying to be a generational curse breaker and and the beginning of a blessing for a generation. What are you doing? So I don't, influencers bother me. But you gave me a radical idea about using social media to actually enhance books and enhance authors and like really get young people hype and create, you know, hype in a creative way about literacy, using TikTok to explore maybe like a, a book walk or a book talk mm -hmm. or an author study, mm -hmm. you know? So I'm, I think I got some good ideas. <laughs> <laughs> young people, help us out here. Keep us in mind. Right? <laughs> certainly, certainly. Yes, I just wanted to uh, piggyback and just say, I feel like, you know, if our leaders had more vision for legacy, then attention, we would see a lot more changes. So, for example, I did found National Black Authors Day. Yes. So, so, so this was the first year on May 4th, um, but I founded it. Yes, I'm an author. It's a celebration of me, but that's going to outlive me. Yes. And that's the most important part, yep. that in 100 years, National Black Authors Day will be around for the kindergartners today. Absolutely. Yes. We'll be around for our grandparents. It will be around when I'm a grandparent, if yep. I become one. So I really feel like it's important to, yes, it's it's human to want to be recognized, so mm -hmm. I don't want to say that, oh, you're a bad person because you want recognition. However, it's also human to be compassionate for other people. Mm -hmm. It's also human Balance. to care about other people. It's also human to want others to be better, do better, have better um, from what you're able to contribute. Mm -hmm. So that's what I would say. I think it's important for us to take a look at how we can have a lasting impact beyond ourselves and yeah. recognize not everything is about us and yeah. that there's other people we need to you know connect with and help well ladies i man it's like as soon as we start getting it lit um it's time to to wrap that thing up but you know we want to thank you all for coming and just spreading the love about uh being lit in the voice of uh black authors and again June the 3rd, 125 State Street at the lab, 11 a.m. to 4.30. And I'm going to end with this. My black is beautiful. Mm. I cannot be denied. It will not be contained. And only I will define it for when I look in the mirror, my very soul cries out, my black is beautiful. Let's get lit.